Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet Isaiah, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, thou shalt bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. This is so powerful. Then Jesus being raised from the... Uh, excuse me, then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. I want to talk to us about Jesus. He shall save. Amen. God bless you today. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. It's great to see you all. We had great, powerful things happen in the first service and ways of deliverance, people filled with the Holy Ghost. So to God be the glory. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. God wants to do the same here, praise God, because he has a plan for this, this gathering. This portion of scripture is so valuable because it is filled with prophetic fulfillment. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 um, it says this, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. So this is the prophetic reference that's being referred to in Matthew chapter 1 that the angel was referring to. It's going to happen just like the prophet said it was going to happen. A son's going to be born. His name is going to be called Jesus, and it's going to be the fact that God is with us. It's not just a baby being born, but God came to earth, and he wrapped himself in flesh. And so this is prophetic fulfillment. And then uh, there's theological revelation that comes, and I want to invite your attention to Colossians chapter 1. And I'm going to lay just a, a little foundation for us today to hopefully bring some enlightenment through this text and uh, what the Lord would say to us today. But the theological revelation here is that we are dealing with, with Jesus, the flesh, the Son. There's nothing to be confused about here. When you hear the word Son in the Bible, it's talking about flesh, the body. The Spirit of God is God. There's only one God, one Spirit, and he, housed, he was housed in the body of Jesus Christ. So that's where the Son or the flesh comes from. That is just like you are body, soul, and spirit, but you are one person. Amen. 
There's nothing confusing about it, but here is revelation concerning it. It says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Praise God. That's why there had to be a body is because there had to be blood. Spirits don't bleed. Cut your body and it will bleed. Because the blood is housed in your flesh. Jesus had to shed blood so that there could be forgiveness or remission of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And it's referring to Jesus. So if Jesus is not God, the creator, then we've got a problem. We've got a contradiction. But it's saying here that Jesus was God in the beginning, and he's now manifest or made visible in the flesh in the New Testament, this baby. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell or be visible. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Jesus came to reconcile us or bring us into right standing with God through his blood. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Isn't that powerful? Because we were not these things, but because he came, amen, and shed his blood, we have the opportunity to be free from the death that this body has and the, uh, the unholy nature that we have and the blame that we carry and the, the rebuke that we deserve. But he said he lifted all of that through his blood. If you continue, verse 23, in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, wherefore I, Paul, am made a minister. I know there's a lot there, but do you see that there is a theological revelation of who Jesus is? Uh, he is God manifest in the flesh. Uh, he is the Spirit of God, the eternal Spirit of God who came to dwell in in a human body for 33 and a half years uh, so he could complete a mission and become the son of God, the sacrifice, the lamb of God, whatever you want to say, that's what he did. He came to be the sacrifice for our sins, uh, to reconcile us, to put us in right standing with God. 
This is so powerful. Amen. And so this deals with the theological revelation of who Jesus was and the prophetic fulfillment. But what I want to focus on right now is the identity of Jesus Christ explained. He said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. This is powerful because it's explaining the identity of Jesus Christ. Jesus is his name because his mission is to save. There is no contradiction here. It's accurately translated. So what I'm about to say, don't get confused. Amen. I'm not saying that there is a different name. The angel said his name shall be called Jesus. But what happened was there, there was not an adequate word to describe Yeshua from the Old Testament. Jesus is the Greek uh, interpretation of that name Yeshua, but it is a little bit limited. It is commonly interpreted as salvation and correctly so. I want to make sure that you understand I'm not saying that what it's saying is not true. Of course it's true. But what I'm saying is there's more to it. When you go back into the original, which we're going to do just a, here in a, a short minute, to, amen, we're going to see that not only is there no contradiction, but there is absolute confirmation and an additional revelation that has come to us about the identity of Jesus Christ. Jesus was a Hebrew. Born of the Jews. Matter of fact, on his cross, they, they inscribed King of the Jews. We know he was a Jew. He, he, he was the lineage and the uh, bloodline. Amen. That, that was the natural part. The body part was through the, the Jewish bloodline. Amen. And Jesus was a Hebrew. And so to get the full understanding of his name, amen, you understand that the name, amen, was passed down from the father. You must go back into the original Hebrew definition to fully understand his identity. Just stay with me for a moment. Amen. It's going to make a little more sense. I pray. In the Hebrew culture, the name or a name of a person or a town was more than just a, a salutation or a way to identify a person. It was, uh, amen, one's calling. It spoke of one's destiny. For example, Moses, his name means to be drawn out. And if you know, know Moses as a baby, his mother hid him in the river and Pharaoh's daughter went and got him out of the river. He was drawn out of the river. So his name means to be drawn out, but it's more than that because the same Moses uh, was the one that God said, you're going to be my deliverer and you're going to go draw my people out of Egypt. You see, the revelation here is those Old Testament names weren't just names like Joe and Tom and Bob and Sue, amen, that identify us with a name or a salutation. There was destiny wrapped up in someone's name. Bethlehem was a, was a, a, a town, but it meant house of bread. But, but, uh, it was deeper than that because Jesus was born in Bethlehem and out of Bethlehem came Jesus. Uh, and we know that Jesus is the bread of life. 
Just so Bethlehem was not only a place of bread, but it was also a place that produced bread. You see, the concept of this Jewish Hebrew uh, naming, amen, it was important because that's why the angel said, I'm not going to leave it up to you, Joseph. He's got a name, and this is what it's going to be. It's not going to be Joe Jr., Joseph Jr., Joseph II. It's going to be Jesus because his name is more than a salutation. It's a destiny. It's a revelation. It's an identity. Amen. And so this Hebrew name, Jesus, or if you will allow me to say it this way, he said his name shall be called Jesus or in Hebrew, Yeshua. It does mean salvation. So we have no contradiction between Jesus and Yeshua. And I'm not trying to paint a line of distinction between the names. I'm only here to say that the Old Testament name, Yeshua, gives us the greater exploded version of the name of Jesus. So when you say Yeshua or Jesus as it relates to the Hebrew name, and the Hebrews of the day would not have, a, have had any kind of uh, difference because they knew these were all linked. Yeshua means uh, Yahweh is salvation. Yeshua means uh, Yahweh is restoration. Yeshua means uh, Yahweh is restoration and deliverance. So you see, when Jesus was born and the angel told Joseph, his name shall be called Jesus. He was really saying his name is Yeshua in the Old Testament or the original text. And as it was translated, it became Jesus. His name is salvation, yes, but it's more than that. It's restoration. It's deliverance. I'm here to tell you today that, amen, I'm not trying to minimize salvation. Of course, to me, that's number one. I've got to be saved. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. That's why the Bible says in Colossians 3, 17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says this, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, here's, here's a little tidbit for us to think about. Jesus was not the only Jesus of his day. There were other babies and boys called Jesus. Right? Jesus. But there was only one Yahweh. Only one Yeshua. And mom and dad didn't pick out his name. The angel declared this is his name. And so this is important for us to understand because as we go through Scripture and as you read the Scripture, it's important to understand that the reference to Jesus is deeper than just salvation. Thank God for salvation. So are you with me? We always limit this verse I say always, usually, I know it's common, 
that when we quote Acts 4.12, we are actually trying to say that there is no other name whereby we must be saved and we limit it to baptism. I'm not saying that's wrong that we would say the name is what we must use at baptism. What I'm saying is there is more revelation here than that because if you take Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 in context, no one was being baptized in Acts chapter 4. No one was being preached the gospel in Acts chapter 4. No one received the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 4. What was he saying about this in Acts chapter 4? Well, if you read up a few verses, uh, you understand that this is where Peter and John are being uh, uh, basically ridiculed and examined why this impotent man was standing there whole and healed. And Peter's explaining, I don't know how this has happened. I've got one explanation. I can tell you that this man stands before you whole because of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. What was he saying? The name, and he understood this. The name of Jesus is much broader than just being baptized or filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, When the name of Jesus comes, uh, salvation comes, uh, healing comes, uh, deliverance comes, uh, restoration comes. It's way broader than just salvation. And Peter was saying, this man stands here healed today because we said in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They didn't say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be baptized in Jesus' name. You see, we understand this when we look into the name, that it is broader than just salvation. Thank God it is salvation. Thank God this includes salvation. But the context is there's healing and restoration. There's much more. This man that stands before you has been made whole. Do you see the powerful revelation there? Without the name, you can't be made whole. Without Jesus, you can't be made whole. Wholeness only resides in him. Jesus was more than a savior of his soul. He was the healer of his body. He was the one that delivered him from his infirmity. And I submit to you that Jesus did more than come to save our soul today. Thank God for it. Uh, And that is an ultimate purpose and destiny of Jesus. Uh, But when the angel told Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. uh, Amen. The word save in the original text uh, is sozo. Which means to save, deliver, protect, heal, preserve, restore, or make whole. So when it said he shall save his people from their sins, you can interject any of these words for save. Amen. So it could be read like this in Matthew one twenty one without uh, changing the intent of the text. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus or Yeshua, for he shall deliver his people from their sins. Uh, he shall protect his people from their sinful nature. He shall heal the people from the results of sin. Uh, he shall preserve 
preserve them from sin, having dominion over them, and he shall make them whole from their sins. I've got news for you. Sin comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and break apart, and dismantle things that matter. But Jesus came to put it back together and to give life and life more abundantly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey man, I'm preaching more today than just a salvation message. And if you don't, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name and never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, it's for you today. It's in the house uh, because the name is being declared in the house. Uh, but I've got news for you. There is so much more in this house today than just salvation. Jesus said, I've come to deliver. You're not saved. Let me tell you something. This is what the Lord spoke into my spirit as I was preparing. He said, you're not saved from it until you're delivered from it. I realize salvation is progressive. I realize sometimes salvation is, well, salvation is not, that's immediate. But deliverance can be progressive. But until we're delivered from something, we're not saved from it. If it still has a grip on our life, we are not saved from it. We're overcoming it. But the Lord's intention is that he would bring such a powerful deliverance into our life that, amen, I believe that depression can be, amen, forever cut off of somebody's mind. You can be delivered from depression. You can be delivered from, amen, addiction. You can be delivered from pornography. You can be delivered. And if we're not delivered, then we're not saved from it. But the Lord came to save and he came to deliver. Because his name is not insufficient or incomplete. He came that we might have life. To me, that's salvation. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. And the Bible says he came and made us, quickened us, made us come to life. But it's life. It's salvation, and it's more abundantly. In other words, the Lord didn't come to just save us. He came to deliver us. He didn't just come to deliver us, but he came to restore things to us. You see, that's the whole gospel. That's the full gospel. The gospel is that Jesus didn't come to just save you, and then you've got to squirm your way through life and somehow hope it all works out. I've got a God who came to say, no, I'm the God of wholeness. I'm the God that can put things together. I'm the God that can do things that you don't even understand. I'm the God... Can I just say it this way? Many people get saved, but they don't all experience deliverance. Maybe I'll say it this way. Some people get saved, but they never experience total restoration. That's not God's will. 
You know why? His name says it's not his will. I'm Yeshua. I'm salvation. I'm deliverance. I'm restoration. I'm the God of wholeness. I didn't come to just save you and get you out of hell and somehow give you a quick pass to heaven. I came to bring you out of sin, and I've come to let you live above sin, and I've let you become whole from the effects of sin. That's my God. That's the gospel. That's what he came to do. Jesus' destiny was revealed in his name. Luke 4, 18 and 19 reveals to us Jesus' intention. And I want us to go there just for a few minutes. I won't be much longer. But I am going to spend a, a few minutes here because this is powerful. And we need to get a revelation that Jesus came to fulfill the definition and the destiny of his name. Jesus was returning in the power of the Spirit, verse 14 of Luke chapter 4, into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, and being glorified of all, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Jesus was not just pointing and reading in the book. Amen. He looked for this scripture in particular, this portion of the text. It wasn't a Bible then, but out of the scroll, he looked for and found the place that it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. And that's what Christ means. Jesus Christ is not, Christ is not the last name of Jesus. It's his distinction as the anointed Savior. Christ Jesus, the anointed Savior. So Jesus is saying... The Spirit is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and he sat down, and the eyes of all them in the synagogue were fastened upon him. In one place, it says that they looked on him because he spoke with one as having authority. That's why he was, it was different because Jesus was literally fulfilling scripture that was prophesied of him in Isaiah chapter 61. Amen. And Jesus is now standing up in the flesh, in the New Testament, saying, this was written about me, but guess what? It's standing right in front of you today. Salvation isn't coming, it's here. Hope isn't coming, I'm here. Deliverance isn't coming, it's here. I'm here to tell you today, something's not coming, it's here. Jesus is here. Jesus' ministry was defined in Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19. His name revealed his purpose. So listen to this. This is just a, uh, we're going to look at the, what these things are defined through the original text. It says, he came to preach the gospel to the poor. 
Many of us think that's just people that are needy or people that are broken and destitute, paupers. But it literally means from pauper to distressed. Distressed has nothing to do with your bank account. Distressed has nothing to do with how many zeros you've got in your checkbook. You can have $10 million here this morning and be distressed. But Jesus said, guess what? Good news. I've come to preach the gospel, not only to the poor, but to the distressed. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. What does that mean? I've come to make whole the completely crushed. Amen. I don't know about you. Some of us aren't completely crushed today, but guess what? We've all been completely crushed because that's the best sin has to offer any of us is complete crushing loss. Hello, the thief comes not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Thank God that Jesus said, I didn't come to just preach a gospel to you, but I've come to heal your broken heart and to make whole those that are completely crushed. I don't know about you, but life can crush you. One event can knock the wind right out of you. But good news, Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Come to preach deliverance to the captives. What does that mean? I've come to preach pardon and liberty to the prisoners of war. Any prisoners of war in the house? You don't have to raise your hand, but life is a war. Spiritual living includes warfare. And it doesn't matter if you've been baptized in Jesus' name or not. And it does, but it doesn't matter in the sense and context that you're going to have a fight You're going to have to fight in this life to overcome some things. But you're not going to do them by yourself on your willpower. Guess what? You will find situations that have more power than your will. And you're going to have to rely on somebody that has more power. I'm surviving on his will power. Amen. I'm not arrogant enough to think I can do this by myself. I can't, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. That old song used to say, amen, guess what? If you think you can do this without God and without his help, you'll find a situation real quick that's bigger than you are, and you're going to have to look up and say, oh, sorry, Jesus, uh, I forgot that I'm not all of that. I need your help. I thank you that you came. I'm thankful that I know who your name is and who you are. Yeah, prisoners of war. Of course, we understand that those that are lost are completely bound by the enemy. But he came to preach pardon. You know, in our governmental system, there's 
an executive privilege that's given to the president. He has the power to pardon people. I'm so thankful that Jesus has the power to pardon. The president has to pick up the pen and sign the document for that person to get pardoned. And I don't know how you came to the Lord or how you sit today, but we all need the Lord to look at our life and say, you're guilty. You don't deserve this. But I'm going to pardon you. <laughs> we were prisoners of war. But the Lord said, no, I'm going to grant you pardon. Is anyone else thankful that the Lord has pardoned us? He said, that's why I came. That's what my name means. I delivered you. I've delivered you. You were a captive. But I preach deliverance and I pardon and liberate prisoners of war. How about this? Came to preach the recovery of sight to the blind. It literally means I've come to lift the fog of the physically and mentally blind. We understand it if somebody can't see and they make their way up here with assistance and with a cane or whatever. We can see that. And then if the Lord would open their eyes, they would be able to see and run and walk without assistance. But how many of us walked in today with a mental fog in a situation that is bigger than we are? I've been there. I'm telling you, the one who can recover your sight is in the house. The one that can lift the fog is in the house. A few days ago, we were in downtown New York, and it was raining heavy. And the cold rain and the heat from the streets created a massive, dense fog. And as we walked through the streets of that city, literally surrounded by skyscrapers, over a hundred stories tall, you could only see up a little bit past the awnings and the walkways and the scaffoldings. And it just hit me in first service. That's what we do in life sometimes. It gets so foggy sometimes that we can't see how big our God is. We lose perspective of just what we're surrounded by. But can I tell you today, the Lord wants you to know that he's, he's able to lift that fog 
so you can get a fresh glimpse of how big he is and just how okay everything's going to be. Don't get focused on the fog. Just trust that he's there. Even when you can't see him, he is there. And he's much bigger than anything you face. The mentally blind. The physically blind. I believe somebody can be healed here today in Jesus' name. We had a testimony in first service, Sister Becky Graves. They told her she had Parkinson's and that she would never recover. It would only get worse. They said, your numbers are, I think it was 16, and they said it will never go down. Last year she went, and it came down to 12. This, she went this week, and guess what? It's down to nine. Two times it's come down, and they said it never comes down. She said, well, what's normal then? They said eight. Eight means you have no trace of Parkinson's. She said, well, God's just bringing it down to show you that he is doing it right in front of you. I'm telling you, God is the God of healing. He is the God that heals all your diseases. And I declare that she will be healed and she will be under nine for the glory of God. Yeah. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Free those with crushed hopes. Yeah, Jesus said, that's what I've come to preach. That's what's being fulfilled before your eyes today. I have come to free those with crushed hopes. What do crushed hopes look like? Oh, to the point where you give up of ever hoping something will change. Something can change. Something good can come out of something bad. But I've got news for you. If we don't preach that God is able to bring good out of bad, and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose, that's what Jesus came to preach. And that's what I've come to preach. I don't care how crushed our hopes are today. God is still the author and the finisher of your faith. And he says, no, as long as the pen is in my hand, I'm able to write hope in your situation. I'm able to reverse things. And bring life out of death. I've come to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What is that? That's the year of Jubilee. Or defined this way. The approved restoration period that God has foreordained for your life. Did you hear that? The approved restoration period that God has foreordained for your life. No wonder he said, I can't leave it up to you to name him. His name shall be called Jesus because his destiny that he's come to give salvation.
and deliverance and restoration. What a God. What a God. He's in this house today. He came to save, yes, but he also came to deliver. He came to restore, protect, preserve, make whole. I'm looking at testimonies, some I know about, some I don't. But there's no darkness too dark that he can't light it up. There's no bruise too deep that he can't heal that wound. Hmm. No dream too crushed that he can't bring it back to life. Would you stand with me? I don't know what you're going through today or what your situation is, but I do know what his name is. And I do what I do know what it means. And I do know who he is. Yahweh or Yeshua, Jesus is salvation. He is restoration. He is deliverance. Don't look to a person as your solution. Don't look to a vice, a substance. Look to Jesus. In Him, we find the solution. There's only one solution to all of life, and He came to save His people from their sins, to restore us back to our original God-intended position with Him. Prophet Joel said, I'm going to restore the years. He's going to restore the years. I feel in the Holy Ghost there are people here today that life has taken some years. But I echo the Prophet Joel that my God said he came to restore. He came to restore to you the years that the locust have eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army which I sent. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. I don't know what you need from God today, but he has come to deliver, to save, and to restore, to make whole, to revive, to heal. And so I open this altar up for anyone that would like to come 
and say, God, I thank you that I know who you are. And I'm thankful that your name has provided everything that I need from you. In the name of Jesus, I pray that every fog is lifted from every mind that might be experiencing a difficult situation. Let the fog begin to lift as the name of Jesus is invoked over your situation. Would you just come and lift your hands to the Lord and say, God, I need you to lift this. this, this.